Welcome to episode 16 of the Local Runners podcast, the podcast by runners for runners. We are your hosts. I'm Gav Hill. I'm Callum Parkinson. I'm Sean Warburton. And I'm Dave Norman. Firstly, we need to apologise. We recorded our episode on Wednesday night at the village in Hyde. We did record, but due to a technical mishap, the quality was too poor to publish. So we're taking this opportunity to re-record. Now, let's get on to the main event of the last weekend, the London Marathon. We've had our very own Sean Warburton taking on the race of the year, where he's trained on and on for the last 18 months. Unfortunately, we can't give everyone's time for London, but here are a few of our listeners' results. Mark Collier got 2 hours 43.35. Katie Kay got 3 hours 44.46. Gab Brown got 2 hours 47.03. Andy Sykes got 3 hours 46.45. I won't spoil Sean's time, even though I'm sure you already know what he did, but it wasn't a sub 2.20. Well done to all the runners. Some fantastic times there. This weekend, we have our own local marathon, the Manchester Marathon. We have a massive list of listeners who are doing Manchester, so here are a few. Yeah, we um, we had a good response to the post we put on about Manchester Marathon, um, and we just wanted to wish good luck to a few local runners who are taking on the Manchester Marathon. So good luck to Scott Matthews, Dan Armstrong, Ashley Buckley, Liam Brown, Dave Barrett, Joe Cleverley, Emma Smith, Mark Bowsey, Darren Smith, Andrew Horrocks, Gary Kearney, James Brabham, Marianne Chesney, Giles Bennett, Kevin Hutchins, Stephanie Owen, Justin Johnson, and many more. Good luck, everybody. Over the last week, we've had a big race to talk about, and that's London Marathon. There was also Chester Marathon, half and 10K. But before we get to Sean's marathon update, which we're all excited to hear, let's talk about our training. So my training's not looked much last week. I had a cold for about six days, so I didn't um, I didn't do any running until that eased. Um, and I've done um, two runs this week, just building up slowly, 25 minutes on Thursday and uh, just short of 30 minutes today. Um, so that's my um, update. Uh, Callum, uh, how, have you, how are you getting on? So um, after the Great North run, um, still didn't really run for about two weeks and then did a couple of 5Ks. Then... Um, ordered a spin bike so I started on doing a bit of spin work after speaking to Georgia a couple of weeks ago just thought I'm going to try and do a bit more cross training um, and then just going to start doing some work ready for cross country and that's it not, um, not a big update from me um, how about you Dave how's, how's everything going with you yeah yeah good thanks uh, Callum uh, obviously when we spoke a couple of weeks ago uh, I was um, just coming off the back of um, being absolutely floored by Covid so uh, I've been very careful managing my return to training, but so far so good. Um, no adverse reactions. My heart rate's pretty much where it would normally be. Um, I've now done two tempo runs. I've done one track session um, and I've got my longest run up to 12 miles. So really, really pleased with how it's gone so far. Um, I know you guys aren't going to let me uh, get away with not mentioning this, but uh, I had a bit of a, an episode uh, at the track uh, on Tuesday, my return to the track. Um, I uh, finished my uh, track session and uh, as I came to look for my car keys, uh, I uh, discovered they were not there. So, uh, yeah, it was a, 
a bit of a drama. I uh, I ended up having to leave my car in the locked track overnight uh, after a couple of laps uh, unsuccessfully trying to locate them and um, return the following day. Uh, did a couple of laps. My brother did a couple of laps. Neither of us could find the key. Got a locksmith out, convinced they must be in the car. Um, couldn't find them in the car. The locksmith does a lap of the track and lo and behold, he finds them. <laughs> so all's well that ends well, but uh, yeah, uh, 90 quid lighter. <laughs> Is the locksmith um, a runner? He wasn't, no. No, I think he just had a good set of eyes. <laughs> so yeah, um, back to the uh, training. No, no, no plans to race at the moment. Um, I think that'd be a little bit foolish uh, so soon after COVID. It's still only... Still only two weeks ago since I uh, I um, sort of started resuming my training. So, yeah, I'll just um, just sort of continue to, to build up slowly and uh, and look to get ready for uh, perhaps a cross-country in November. Uh, what about yourself, Sean? Uh, obviously, you've got plenty to talk about this week. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so obviously I've been building up to London for as long as I can remember, really. Um just my first experience as well in in the event. So, yeah, the whole thing, the whole package was amazing. So we went down on the Friday and went to the expo because I needed to – I wanted to get there on the Friday because I just heard people saying how busy it gets over the weekend. Uh, I was glad I did that, actually, because this year what you had to do is pack up a kit bag. So what you need at the finish line, you had to pack up and drop off when you pick your number up. So you really had to think ahead about what you might need so, yeah, spare pair of trainers, hoodie and all. I put a protein shake in there. I put my work phone in there as well, which is a bit of a roll of the dice. So I was hoping I didn't get any work issues for 48 hours. Luckily, I didn't. Um, just so I had some way of um, navigating my way back to the hotel and obviously uploading Strava, which is priority. Um, so, yeah, really good atmosphere there. Real, a lot of good stuff. I picked up a couple of bits of uh, merchandise and... And then we just took it easy, really. Didn't do a lot of sightseeing over those couple of days, just a bit of local, keep walking and whatnot. And then morning of the race, headed over to the championship start, which was a great experience. You know, when you, you when you go in there, and you, you, you just recognise all the faces in there. You're some, you know, people I've seen on social media and just a f- few people in there I've seen before. So it was good to be running with those that caliber of runner really I felt a bit sort of privileged to be in there and and there was no messing about really you, you took my stuff off that I had on so I had to leave that you obviously you've got no bag drops or a pair of trainers and hoodie and tracky bottoms just got left in Greenwich it's a bit of a shame but never mind and then we we set off and we went out the traps um cautiously I wanted to I was looking for six minute miles really I set off about six seven six tens um, rightly or wrongly, that's what I did. I felt okay, but um, I went through halfway, about 40, 50 seconds down on what, where I wanted to be for sub 240, and I knew that. And then I thought, I'll lift it now <clears throat> um, as you head into Canary Wharf, but it's quite difficult to lift the pace going through there, I found it. It's quite, it was starting to get hotter, and it's twisty and turny, and I was still looking at my splits, and they weren't where I wanted them to be, and... I think by that point then I knew with six miles to go really then that I wasn't going to get that sub 240. But if I could run a good even split, um, I would still come in with a PB. And 
that's that's what I did. I mean, the atmosphere was just unbelievable as well. It just felt, honestly, it felt like I'd run a 5K or a 10K. It went so quick, you know, because the atmosphere was just so good. Um, couldn't believe how quick the race. I, can't, I don't think I've ever run a marathon that's gone past so quickly. It felt, well, I haven't because it was a PV, but you know what I mean. Um, it just seemed to fly by because I just enjoyed the experience so much. Um, yeah, it was buzzing and I had a ringing ears and it was that loud. And because of where I was in the event as well, I think I finished about 460th overall. Um, it was pretty quiet on the road. Um, where I was. So you felt like a bit of a rock star, really, when you come around the corner and everyone just cheers at you. you know, and you're, especially if you sat at the front of a group, which I was trying not to do. I normally like to hide out of the wind, maybe, but because the atmosphere was so good, I was getting into the limelight, <laughs> soaking it up a bit. Um, so, yeah, really enjoyed it. I'm still on cloud nine. I've got a bit of the old marathon blues now I'm trying to contend with. Um, but, yeah, can't wait to go back and do it again in the future. What an amazing event. Can I just ask you, Sean, uh, what was worse, the uh, the post-Tour of side Blues or the post-Marathon Blues? Um, yeah, I know we, we talked about this the other night, obviously, didn't we? It's not an easy question to answer that. Um, but for me, it's... Um, this you know it's been a I don't I was talking to Sarah maybe a 10-year journey to get to London because I've been running a long time really um but I've only joined the club in recent years and the reason I did was to get quicker because I was putting in marathons of 315 320 not quick enough not quick enough to get into London and I'm very unlucky in ballots I've never ever won a ballot place in any event ever so um Maybe it's because of me. Surname's W. I don't know. don't know how that works. <laughs> but um, I knew I needed to run quicker, so I joined up to Hyde. And, yeah, that's a good job, uh, Michael is here today. And just saw my time dropping straight down and was able to get under 240, sub-245 to get a championship spot in London. So putting that number on, honestly, as um, obviously I was saying previously, it's quite emotional for me that putting that number on. I did think I was going to wake up at times and I'd be back at home and it wouldn't be really happening. It was just um, awesome. And I can't, I can't, like I say, I can't wait to go back. Unbelievable experience. I think next year I'm going to do Berlin in the autumn. So I'll put my name in for Berlin. Um, I'm hoping I can run under 240 there to get back into the championships for London 2023 because the standard's, Increase now. You've got to run under two forty to get in there now, which is pushing the envelope a bit, isn't it? <clears throat> On to the guest of the episode. We have the head coach and social secretary of Hyde Village Striders, a club where Sean and Callum started their running journey. Mike and Liz Mason are long-standing members of Hyde Village Striders. Both Mike and Liz are coaches at Hyde and have encouraged hundreds of runners via the Stride Out course which is their version of Couch to 5K. Please all welcome Mike and Liz Mason. Welcome, Mike and Liz. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for the invite. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thanks yeah. for joining us for a second time. Yeah, I've got my T-shirt on. I was going to ask hey. you to get a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my T-shirt on. <laughs> Have you pressed record, Alan? 
I have press record. Let's hope we can hear everybody now. <laughs> Welcome, Mike and Liz. You okay? Thanks, yeah, Gav. Yes, to you. Yeah, nice to see you again. You too. We did say we'd try and get you back on. We didn't think it'd be a couple of days after that. <laughs> I know. Well, it's given me a good. It's given me a chance to sort of like digest the questions a little bit more and maybe elaborate a little bit more on on um, what I would like to say. So um, I think him upstairs is looking after us. He got us back yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it was meant to be. Yeah. Okay, so uh, just going to go through my question with you both. Um, answer okay. in any, any order you want. So uh, the first one, I just want, wanted to know how you both got into running. Um, do you want to go first, Mike? You... Um, yeah, I, I started pretty much from school, uh, but didn't really take it seriously. I just used to run for fitness, uh, played football up to my 30s. So it, it was mainly just to keep fit. Um, um, when we had a young daughter as well, so we didn't have a lot of time. Uh, and yeah, I, I did a couple of marathons when I was 20, which was sort of 1984, the height of the, the running boom was, was going strong. And I just fancied having a, a go at one. And uh, I got some encouragement from my father because I said to him I was going to run a marathon. And he, he laughed at me, so I thought, right, I'll show you. So I did the, the old Piccadilly 261 marathon and the Stockport Daffodil in 1984. And then that was it. I retired from marathons till I think it was 2005, my next one. Uh, but yeah, that was how I did it. Um, so my entry to the running um, scene was we had a teenager um, and as a family we did lots of things together and me and Emma did lots of things together but Mike always had um, his hobby of running and um, I mean I would have liked him to come dancing with me but there was no chance he was going to ever dance so that, right, what can I do to sort of like make sure that once Emma's gone, we've got something that's in common, even though we were great, you know, best friends and everything. I just think you still need something that you've got a little bit of a passion for so that you both in the same wavelength, you know, some of the time. So um, I was a, a member of the uh, Village Leisure Club in Hyde. Um, and on one of the back of the toilet doors was a 5K, a run 5K in 12 weeks. Um, of course, like the couch to 5k. Um, so I um, took the plunge and went and uh, started running. I was one of those typical runners, learning to run like one minute, like, oh, I can't do this. And the next minute, oh, I love this. And no, I can't do this. And then eventually I just started to really love the running. Um, probably, I'm probably more obsessive with the running than Mike is now. Um, yeah. And that's it. That's how I started running from the finger notes on the back of a toilet. and. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the rest is history. Love it. Two completely different answers there, but yeah, I like that. Nice one. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, next question, then, probably the most important question that we ask on this podcast uh, What is your favourite go to training shoe? So, on, yeah, so uh, mine at the minute is um, Nike Pegasus. Um, I've been wearing them now for probably the last two years and I've never had any issues with them. Um, they're just like wearing slippers. So I'm just hoping they don't change the style of the shoe because that's what tends to happen with um, brands. Um, that's what's moved me on from certain other trainers like Adidas and ASIC. So I'm really happy with the Nike at the minute. So I'm just hoping that they, they're around for a few more years yet. 
Well, I have yeah. seen um, a few pictures of the, the the newer version. Dave might know um, what number it is. Thirty nine, maybe. I'm not sure. Thirty nine uh, will be the next one. Yeah. Thirty nine, oh. and it does look quite. It, yeah, look, they look like they've got a lot more cushioning on. Um, oh, on, on the pictures that I've seen, they might want to elaborate on that. Uh, yeah, I've not actually seen the uh, the the, the, the uh, imagery yet, so uh, I'll have to take your word for it on that. But um, I know Liz was uh, saying the other night that uh, she's uh, small enough to go into the junior version of the Pegasus. Isn't that right, Liz? It is. <laughs> and the thing is, because of, because the juniors do race, it's great. You know, back in the day, a child's trainer was not really the same as an adult's trainer, but because because the youth run now, and they do races and everything. It's always going to be a good trainer. So I get two for the price of one. <laughs> Happy days. Yeah. <laughs> what about I'm you, the same. I'm the same, really. I'm Night Pegasus at the moment. I've been around a few different. Uh, like I say, I tried, tried Adidas for a while. I like them, but then they, they, they either seem to be getting smaller or my feet got wider. They just started rubbing. Uh, prior to that, I was Asics for years. Um, and the first original pair that I used to start running in was from the old Olympus Sports. If anybody remembers Olympus Sports in the Arndale, the, uh, the, their running shoes. Excellent. Well, you go down well with this group because um, most of us are like Nike. Yeah. Um, from, from head to toe, normally. Especially <laughs> Sean. <laughs> I bet he's got Nike bedding at home. <laughs> I've actually got my um, Nike Pegasus 30 sevens on at the minute because they are yeah. really comfortable I think yeah I think yeah, that's what I've got at the moment 37 mm. um and I just I mean I've got I actually got four pair of them um because I'm finding them going out of style so I've got four pair on the go really yeah. okay so I'm just going to move on to my next question um we're doing many marathons and triathlons including Ironman what's your biggest ever mileage week um, it's hard. I, I do keep a training log, but I've never really monitored sort of what maximum mileage I do in a week. Um, and with triathlons as well, you, because you tend to split a lot of the mileage between running and cycling and you do swimming as well, um, it's probably not that high. Probably when I'm marathon training, I've probably been up about to 50 or 60. Not Never really been one for high mileage. Um, I'd say the, the most I've ever done in a week was a, a virtual run that I did last year. I did 105 miles in a week, uh, which was virtual Lakeland 100. Um, I just did it for something to do through COVID, but yeah, that would be my one, one high mileage week. Excellent. Yeah, nice I'm, yeah I'm the same. I don't really, um, I think the highest probably gone is maybe 50, 60, but it's something that I don't do, but it's something that after our chat, I think I might start, um, looking at um, in the future, but at the minute I don't really know an exact figure to give you, but probably about 50, 60 maybe. Excellent. Um, okay, so I'm not going to spoil how many Ironmans you've done, Mike, because um, <laughs> um, I know Dave's going to ask that later, but I just wanted your thoughts on um, having experienced an Ironman, your thoughts on the Iron Cowboy and his 50 Ironmans in 50 states in 50 days um yeah i've seen the the uh, the film i think it's on netflix um and it's it was unbelievable yeah it was fantastic achievement but when you see the the toll it took on his body as well 
at some points during that, you know, he was ready for, for giving up, but miraculously, his body seemed to adjust to it and um, he managed to, uh, he, he actually looked stronger at the end and got going again. But um, yeah, hats off to him. I don't know how he, how he did it really, especially the, from a logistics side, doing it in 50 states, because uh, an Ironman can take, you know, so 11, 12 hours if you're lucky. And then he might have a three or four hour drive to the next state to start again. So, yeah, it was a tremendous achievement. Yeah, absolutely nuts. And if anyone's um, still to watch that, it's definitely worth a watch. And, it, it, yeah, it can confirm it is on Netflix. Um, okay, so my last question then, um, second most important question of the podcast, what is your post-race drink? Well, mine, I, I tend to get, at the end of triathlons, they give you um, alcohol-free Erdinger, which I, always goes down really well. Especially at the Outlaw in Nottingham, they, they have a big, a big tent that dishes it out along with loads of food. And when you've been on the go for 11, 12 hours, there's a big uh, bowl of chilli and a, an alcohol-free Erdinger goes down very well. Sounds awesome. <laughs> um, like as we said the other night, um, anyone who knows me, I love my champagne. But obviously, you don't get that given to you at the end of a race. Well, not not many races anyway, unless someone's waiting for a glass of it with me at the end. Um, but I like a glass of or a can of uh, full fat Coke because I don't tend to take much sugar on in a race. I don't tend to take gels and or sweets. So my body craves that um, energy and sweetness at the end of a, of a race. So I like I don't drink full fat Coke any other time, um, but I do at the end of a, of a race, which I really like. Excellent. Um, well, thanks for answering those. And I'm going to pass you over to Dave. Thanks, Gav. Hi again, Mike and Liz. Thanks for joining us for a, a second time. <laughs> Same time next week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, don't say that, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I don't, uh, can we come on the panel? <laughs> so I've got a, a few questions of my own for you. Um, so I'm going to start by asking about your coaching. Um, so you guys coach at Hyde Striders. And I often see large groups from the club out running and I'm always amazed at the size of the groups. So why do you think you've been able to attract such large numbers to your uh, your club and your club runs? I think we've, we've always tried to um, promote a, a, an all-inclusive type of um, philosophy in the club. You know, at all levels, we, we, we cater for all levels, right from the couch to 5K. So, you know, building up from, from not being able to run at all. And then we, when they get to the 5K, usually they finish that with by going to a park run. So it's like a bit of an event at the end of it. Um, they all get certificates. And then we we arrange to sort them into um, the appropriate pace groups as well. So they're pretty much looked after as much as we can all the way through until we set them loose with the groups. Um, and it, I think it encourages them to stay. I think predominantly a lot of our members are ladies as well. So I think, you know, Strength, uh, safety in numbers, things like that. that that's really encouraging. And just promoting a friendly atmosphere, it, it is really a, good, a nice social club. People enjoy coming, not just for the running, but for socialising and meeting up with, with the friends. Yeah, I think as well, because we're not um, a running club that has a track or um, it's not really, we don't really have um, the facilities to actually, you know, help people to, maybe go out and do fast track um, events and stuff like that. 
we have a lot of people who just want to come and run. They're not interested in racing. They just want to come and run with groups. And um, eventually they do end up doing races because the friends are doing races. But when they initially arrive with us, you know, we just promote that. They can come and have a friendly run and they're not expected to do any more than just come and have a friendly run. So we think that's why we keep a lot of our members with us as well. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, whatever you're doing, it's uh, clearly working. As I say, when I see you uh, out in such numbers, uh, I'm, 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 I'm almost <laughs> gobsmacked. <laughs> OK, so um, I, I want to ask you uh, about your uh, coaching philosophies. So would you say your coaching philosophies, um, would you say, how, how would you say your coaching philosophies differ? Um, do you coach in a similar manner or are you both quite different? Um. I think we, we spoke about this and we did say at the time we were similar, but I think we're slightly different. I think I'm more of a fun coach and, you know, <laughs> people, like running, people like running with me. <laughs> um, I tend to um, like taking groups out and I tend to take them out without them knowing where they're going, without they don't know the terrain. I might have said to them, put a pair of trail shoes on or put a pair of runners on. Um, and I'll, I'll do a route that they won't know the route they want me the mileage don't ever go over more than seven but they like that whereas I think um Mike's more of um structure. yeah structure like speed session hill sessions um I think I get more in my groups than he gets in his groups <laughs> that's because they talk a lot, <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah I'd say we we are different but we sort of complement each other yep brilliant okay um so Hyde Striders are still, in my mind, a relatively new club. Although when I looked up online, I was shocked to see that you were founded in 2002, which makes you almost 20 years old now. Um, so at what point did you guys both join the club? And how do you feel it's changed from when you joined to where you are today? Yeah, so I joined in 2003. So it was relatively new. Um, like I mentioned the other night, my, on my membership number was number six. So I'm like, think I'm the eldest strider at the minute <laughs> in, the, in the new club. Um, so it was actually, um, event, the, the, the running came about with High Village Strides Leisure Club. It was for leisure members. And it was founded by Jill Buckley, who was the manager at the time, and Pete O'Hare. Um, and it was just, it started off with just beginners groups. Um, and then from the beginners groups, there was like a little, um, a smaller group of people that used to go out running together. There's probably a, a mem number of about 30 people for about three to four years. It was third, only 30 people, the same people. Um, and then uh, Peter decided he wanted to go leave Strider and and do his own business so he opened a little shop in Stale Bridge and started doing private um, lessons there and left the village so Jill Buckler who was the manager at the time approached me because I was doing a bit of coaching with Pete at the time um, and asked would I take it on and I was a bit nervous at the time but I had a few people around me as well and um, I coaxed them to come and sort of like help as well committee was um, developed from that and the club just got bigger and bigger and we started opening it up to non-members of the village and you know it's just got bigger and bigger and that's it's been so successful ever since then 
Um, yeah, so. Yeah, like she said, she wrote to other people in. Um, so she she asked me to come on board after Pete had gone. Um, I mean, a lot of the older runners will remember Pete O'Hare, who's a good, good local club runner. Uh, we've got him to thank really for the club. And as Liz mentioned, Joe Buckley in the village, she really helped uh, in the early days as well. Um, and Liz wrote me on board. We needed, once Pete left, we needed a level two coach. So she, uh, the village sort of fast tracked me through to get the level two. And, uh, and then we just sort of built it from there, really. Brilliant. Okay. So I also wanted to ask you both about your own running achievements. So I'll start with you, Mike. Um, I noticed you've completed an Ironman triathlon, uh, which is something I'm always in awe of. So firstly, can you tell me how many Ironmans you've done and how do they rank amongst your achievements? And finally, are there any other performances you're particularly proud of? Uh, yeah, I've done. I've actually done five. Um, and they rank highly, I think, amongst my... Uh, my proud achievements, uh, my proudest achievements. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a tough a tough thing to do. It's a long day. Uh, there's a lot of training involved to to get to get to the start line. Um, and yeah, the first one I think was about 2009, 2010 that I did. Um, but yeah, yeah. But I think difficult really. I've done a lot of different events. Um, Probably one of my proudest achievements, I think, was probably my, my one and only outright win that I had in an event, which was the South Cheshire Duathlon back in 2011, I think it was. Um, and as I said the other night, myself and my running buddy, Mike Gubbins, we came out of the run, jumped on the bikes and, and got out on the road and were surprised to see this car with flashing lights in front of us. Um, and we... we Quickly discovered it was the lead car, not a position we used to be we were used to being in. But yeah, um, we managed to hold on. Nobody came past us, and I had a little bit of tactics on him in the transition area because I'd seen a duathlon in London, a sprint duathlon, a few weeks before, where some of the pros had decided they wouldn't use clippy pedals on the because it was such a short distance. They didn't think the, the gains were, were worth bothering with for the clip, clippy pedals. So I just had cages, which meant I didn't have to change my shoes. So as we went into transition together, he was faffing about with his shoes. I just dumped my bike and legged it <laughs> and uh, managed to get about 20, 25 second lead on him. And, and that was enough. So, uh, yeah, that was my, my one and only outright win, which is probably my proudest achievement. Brilliant. And what about yourself, Liz? I see you did very well in your age category at this year's Tour of Tame side. Uh, you won one of the stages. And then you finished second overall. So how would that one rank for you? And what are the achievements or performances that you're most proud of? Yeah, I, it's my first time doing the tour. Um, we've always been away on holiday. I mean, I'm, I'm too young to have done the original tour, obviously. But um, <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed it. I didn't go out to um, come second or first. I, I just wanted to actually finish it and quite surprised myself that I actually be, you know came second one more one one of the stages um I'll definitely be going back next year to see if I can do a little bit better than I did this year um but one of my proudest moments is probably sorry Sean but I actually got in the ballot for London first time <laughs> um, so yeah I did London in 2005 um um and the experience like Sean said is absolutely amazing I was 
from um, arriving. I mean, it was it was a bit different because the um, expo was for go and you know it was a different experience of what Sean has experienced this year. Um, but got on the start line and I just from setting off to the to the finish step, I just thought I was floating. It was just the the um, atmosphere was amazing. And I just I loved every minute. When I finished, I could have actually carried on because I was just so high. I felt high as a kite. Um, but the next day, um, I didn't get I wasn't didn't have an achy leg, so I don't tend to get um aches and pains after running. But my arms were killing me, and I couldn't understand why were my arms killing me. And it was my Mike said to me, because you were waving at everybody. I was just waving at everybody. If someone shouted my name, I was like, hello, as if they knew me. But yeah, and if anyone could ever get the chance to do London, that's definitely the one to do. And you did mention also the Lakeland 50 list. Do you want to just talk about that one? Yeah. So the Lakeland 50, um, I stumbled across that. I've done quite a few long runs. I've done like the Canalathon and I've done a Lakes 55K. And and I went on a, a weekend for um, ultra training and there's a couple of guys there that are quite famous in the ultra world and they needed marshalling for the Lakeland 50, which um, Sean might not be interested in this, actually. So I actually offered to, to do marshalling for them. And it's a long stint. You that you arrive Friday, they want you there till Sunday. Um, but when you've done that, that's you do get a place in the Lakeland 50 if you want it. So... I thought, gosh, I didn't know if I could do 50 miles, but I thought, you know what, Let I'll take the challenge. I trained really hard for it. I went out on my own quite a lot. Um, I trained every hour of the day because you are running through the night. So I'd go out at 10 o'clock at night, so 1 o'clock in the morning running, up, hop some more and over the tops. Um, and you're given 24 hours to do this race. Um, I did it in 14 hours, so it was really, you know, happy with what I'd done I'd actually qualified if I wanted to do the 100 which I don't think I'd ever I'd never ever passed at that just yet but um but yes yeah, so if Sean if you want to get in the Lakeland 50 get some marshalling done not get your place you have to go in a ballot then yeah well it may not surprise listeners that I've put in for that this year and last year and obviously wasn't successful in the ballot um so I'll look at that because there doesn't seem to be any other way of getting in, whereas like London has a time aspect to it. I think the Lakeland 50 is a very unique event, isn't it? So oh, yeah. there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing like it. It's from the fr- from arriving on the Friday to finishing on that finish line, it is amazing. It's just it's a bit like London, how you know you feel when you're doing your when you do London, it's just amazing and they do um, a lot of recce's as well, and you're just like part of a big family. So you, you would, yeah. and if you if you went marshalling it, you know it's a step in the doorway, and it's such it's worth doing definitely. Quite um quite a few high striders do it, don't they? As well, I've seen Ryan and Paul. I think Mike yeah. and Paris and James was there. Yeah. This year. yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks good. Final <laughs> question from me, guys. Um, so I wanted to ask you both about a park run that you both ran in 2019 uh, in California, of all places. So not many people out there have experienced a park run in another country. What was this experience like and did it feel different to the park runs here in the UK? Uh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. We, we've actually done it twice. We've been there 
Uh, well, we've been three times actually, but we did the park run twice. It's uh, so at Chrissy Fields, which is in the, the marina area of San Francisco Bay. Um, and it, it was a fantastic course. You know, you, the scenery is amazing. You're looking out over the, out to the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. Um, it compares pretty similar to local runs, really. You, you've got a mix of tourists, local people, and the um, the race director is actually a Brit. So it was just it was like home from home. It was a bit warm and a bit dusty, but we enjoyed it, didn't we? Yeah, I did. I actually won my uh, age group on that race as well. Just, just get, <laughs> get that in. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a, a, an amazing experience. Um, obviously, in the sunshine and, um, like the, you know, it's it's as, it's as good as Hyde Park, but, you know, the, that bit, um, <laughs> yeah. Without the Golden Gate. Without the Golden Gate, but, yeah. Um, so anyone, anyone travelling to any country, just check out if they've got a park run. Because you know a lot nowadays they do, and it's definitely worth worth doing one when you're abroad as well. Thanks, guys. Okay, so uh, I've also got some questions from our listeners, which I'm going to uh, run through now. So the first one's from one of your uh, club members, Katie K. Uh, she's a previous guest of ours. So Katie asks, uh, I'm just wondering what your plans are going forwards, uh, Liz. I know if you, I noticed that you've been dabbling in a bit of wild swimming. Uh, and some crazy hiking adventures. Um, <laughs> just wondering if you've got more plans to continue doing these things alongside your running. Oh, Katie, what an invite, don't you? That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I just want to sort of like um, mix it up a little bit because um, I was affected by COVID. It did, it did really affect me mentally, really as well. Um, I couldn't. It was just a very strange time for me. So I didn't do as much running as I would have liked to do through COVID. I'm not sure why. Lost my mojo. Um, so introducing a little bit of swimming and I'm going to try and do a bit of, try and run to a, you know, maybe a, a secret lake or a secret reservoir that you're not supposed to swim in and then have a swim and then run a bit further on. Um so, yeah, I'm exploring at the minute, so I'm not sure where it's going to lead to. But, Katie, I'll give you an invite. Don't worry. <laughs> Katie also asks, Liz, uh, how was London as a spectator? Uh, I've always wondered what it's like being on the other side. Did you enjoy it and did you wish you were running? Um, uh, I did enjoy being a spectator, but, yes, I did wish I was running too. Um, and I put in the ballot for this for next year <laughs> after being there this weekend. Um, it is a bit different. It's just tough. It is tough, probably tougher for a spectator than the actual runner because you're trying to go to different spots to um, see who you're actually supporting. This year, we only managed to get to three because um, with Mike um, not being able to move around too freely. Um so we saw people at mile six, mile fifteen, and mile eighteen. Although so we did see Sean at Sutter at Cuttersark, um, uh, but everyone else we missed uh, because we just weren't able to get to the, the spots. But the people that we went to watch, we actually managed to see them. So that was good. But yeah, I think I'd like I'd prefer to run it than mark than spectate it. It's easier. That's everything from me. Thanks, guys. Okay, oh, I'm now going to pass you over to Callum, uh, who's got some questions of his own and some listeners' questions. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers, Dave. Welcome, Mike. Welcome, Liz, once again. 
Hi. I think you're the first guest that get to do a re-record, so <laughs> should be nice and privileged there. Um, so like Dave mentioned before, I started my running journey at Hyde um, and Hyde hosts two great races, uh, the Millbrook Monster and my favourite, which is the Stride Through the Woods. Um, I'd just like to know if they're both going to be on next year. Uh, yes, yeah, we are planning to get them back in, in the usual slots. Um, I've had some discussions with Chairman Adj Barker. Um, he was keen to try and get one of them on later this year, but I think we just decided it was it was probably just a bit too much, um, too short notice to get it in. But yeah, we're going to try and get them back in the usual uh, slots next year because uh, I know a lot of people they do travel from quite um, you know wide wide areas around. Great Manchester and beyond to come and do, especially Millbrook Monster. It's a real, for some reason, I don't know why, but it's really popular. It's, it's like torture, really, isn't it? But people seem to, seem to really enjoy it. Yeah, Millbrook Monster is not my cup of tea. Um, I think I've only done it once, but yeah, it, it, it's a very good race, um, but a little bit too hilly for me. Interesting. Uh, Chip Butty, though. Well, that's brilliant. Chip Butty yeah. yeah. is the best, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, it is a medal. So, <laughs> yeah, so those that don't know, if you enter the race, you run the race, you get a free chip butter, um, and it is good chip butter. Um, so, Mike, I've got a question for you. Um, already mentioned about doing a lot of triathlons. Just wanted to know how you got into them um, and which has been the best experience that you've had. Um, I, I got into them probably as... Um just to try and freshen things up a little bit because I, I was it was getting a little bit monotonous every year, sort of January to April, doing marathon training for either London or Manchester or uh, Edinburgh we did as well. Um, and so I just wanted something different and it, it was starting to take off a bit. It's probably around 2006, 2007, Salford Triathlon came up and I thought I, I just fancied having a go. I did I knew I could swim, uh, sorry, I knew I could run and I'd always done a bit of cycling as well, but my swimming wasn't wasn't so good. Uh, so I always did what, what I always call holiday breaststroke, but I thought I'd spoken to somebody and I said, will I be all right doing breaststroke at Salford? And mm. he said, oh yeah, you'll be fine. Don't listen to people. Open water swimming, first time in, in open water swimming in a 30-pound Audi uh, wetsuit. And uh, yeah, I was doing breaststroke. Everybody else did front crawl, and it was just me and the canoe at the back. So that was my first experience. I wasn't last when I when I finally got out the uh, the, the bike and the run. But uh, yeah, it was a sobering, sober awakening that was, and I realised quickly I had to learn to swim. But yeah, I just I like the the variety and being able to mix the training up rather than just pounding the pavements for running. You know, I could go out and do a bike ride. I could go to the pool at night, do a bit of swimming. Saturday morning, do some open water swimming. Um, so yeah, that's what that's what the appeal was. Um, and what was the last bit? Sorry, from the question. Sorry. Uh, and what's the best experience that you've had at one? Oh, a triathlon. Um, well, I know you're going to come on to one later, so I might leave that one. But there's a couple of other ones that are proper highlights. Uh, Barcelona Ironman was a real good one. Um, we did Alpe d'Huez triathlon as well, which was fantastic. You get to ride up Alpe d'Huez uh, and then do a half marathon at the top at altitude, which was a different experience. Um, and Helvellyn in this country, that was another fantastic 
event, uh, swimming around Ullswater, and then you've got Kirkstone Pass and the struggle uh, on the bike, and then up to Helvellyn on the run. Uh, so, yeah, I think those are probably uh, the highlights. Great. And Liz, have you dabbled in any triathlons? I have. I've had um, I got a few. It's not really my cup of tea. Um, I like to have my feet on the ground. Um, I like the I like the open water swimming and I like the running. Cycling, I did try and get into it a little bit, but I was probably more on the floor than I was on the bike. So, um, no, I think it's not for me. I know, you know, hats off to anyone that, that does. And it's a great event, um, you know, to have to do those three disciplines back to back is not, you know, an easy thing to do. But, no, it's not for me. I'll, I'll stay on the hills. I think um, me and you are similar. I think I've spent most of my time when riding on the floor or on the bonnet of a car. Um, so, like you mentioned before, um, well, like Dave mentioned before, you went to California. Um, in particular, you went to San Francisco and you did the escape from Alcatraz. Um, you went twice. Can you let us know about that experience for that triathlon, Mike, uh, escape from Alcatraz? Yeah, Um uh, everybody who does triathlons, I think it's um, well. It was for for the group that I that I uh, train and run with. It was an iconic race. Really, everybody just wanted to do it. You all wanted to say that you you know you swung from the rock. Um, you've seen the movies, Bert Lancaster and Clint Eastwood, and they didn't manage to do it. But every year, two thousand triathletes managed to do it and avoid the sharks as well. So yeah, it's all about the swim. So we went over twenty seventeen. Um, and they, they load you up on a, a big old paddle steamer, San Francisco Bell, uh, and we're all ready, suited and booted, wetsuits, caps, ready to go. Um, and we'd seen that the sea was a little bit choppy, but we just thought it, it'll, be, it'll be okay, like you do. Um, but then the, the announcement came over the tannoy on the boat that they were cancelling the swim, and I think... Liz will probably vouch and Mike, who, who was there with me as well. I think that's probably my lowest point ever We've, in sport. We travelled 5,000 miles to do this event and it was all about the swim. And I was nervous enough at, to start with, but literally three minutes from launch and they pulled the plug and I was just, just crushed. <laughs> we managed, managed to sort of pull it together to, to go and do the, the bike and the run leg, but yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was gutting. But fortunately, they, they gave us the option to come back again in 2019, which we did. Um, and it was just amazing. It was everything that we, we expected, scenery, um, the, the course itself, you know, San Francisco is really hilly. Um, it's not that long a distance as triathlons go. The swim, the swim's a mile and a half, but they, like I say, it's all about the swim. You've got to swim like the clappers for the first 12, 15 minutes to get across the current. And then once, you, once you're over that, you can kind of float in along the coast. And there's, there's marker points that you have to look for. But yeah, just going out on that boat and then you open the gates up and you've got seven minutes for 2,000 people to jump in. It's amazing. Um, I remember I, I did a bit of research on it because you jump in about eight, 10 feet off the boat. And normally when you jump in, you, you cross your arms across your chest and you just go in. But I picked up a good tip. Somebody said, when you jump, put your arms out and it will stop you sinking because you don't want to be sinking in the sea with another load of people jumping on top of you. So, yeah, we, we did that. 
and uh, yeah, it was amazing. Great event. Glad I've done it. It's ticked off. Good little tip tip there. If anyone's uh, if anyone's going to Alcatraz, I'm going to try and escape. <laughs> Stick your arms out. Um, so as for we have a lot of local races in and around Tameside. Um, I'd like to know what both of your local favourite local races are and why. Yeah, so um, first I'm doing Troy Tameside. I would definitely say that's, that's hit the top three for me now, and I'll definitely do it again next year. But I was having to think about this now. I like like um, the Grady Pud run, which is up at Tint Whistle. Duststone Diamonds, I love that that race as well. You know, I'm hoping that they come back again um, next year because um, I really, really enjoy that that type of running. So it's a little bit off road, a bit of a fell. So yeah, I think I think those three t- those three are now my, like my favourites at the minute. Well, yeah, those, um, the the gravy puts actually on um, in December. It is, yeah. yeah. I'll put I'll put my name in. Although I'm not convinced it's entirely all running, is it? There's a bit where you just got to drag yourself up the grass with your hands. Yeah. Oh, it's not it's not as bad as you think it is, Sean. It's not it's not so as you're going up, as you're going up the hill, just move to the side like as if you're gonna snake up and you'll get up dead quick. Okay, I'll try that. Last time I went straight up the front of it with my heartbeat coming out of my ears. Did you? <laughs> uh yes, I'd say tour the same side for me as well. Uh, I was lucky enough to do uh, three of the old the old versions, the six-day ones. Um, and it is, it's a great, great event, great atmosphere, good for the uh, the local area. Um, and also Stockport 10, I think, has always been a favourite as well. I've done that lots of times. I think that's a great one. So I'd say that those two are probably favourite locals. Yeah, I'll agree with you there with uh, Stockport 10. It's um, it's one of my favourites. I do like that. So um, on to my next question is, over my time at Striders, um, I received help and advice from experienced runners, including both of you. Um, I'd just like to know what the best bit of running advice that you've ever had. Mm, that's, that's a tough one, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had, we've had a lot of advice ourselves because we started from, you know, from help from co- other coaches. Um, just things like, um, you know, don't be too hard on yourself if you've not had a good run and try and take something from every run that you've done but the probably the the most um one that sticks with me at the minute when I was um, training for the 50 the Lakeland 50 as a road runner you're taught to run and not stop unless you come to traffic lights obviously but you are you run from beginning to end so when you go onto the fells and an off-road, it's hard because you're a roadrunner and you've been a roadrunner for so long that you don't want to stop. So someone, so I was always doing these little runs and trying to run up the hill and kill myself, you know, you get to the top and you're absolutely dying. Um, and then one guy said to me, the key to it is look it, where you are in the pack of runners on, a, on a, an ultra or an off-road run look around you and see what the other runners or people are doing. And if they're walking, that's what you should do because you'll be the only one that's running in that pack. And it was great advice because all my training was like that now. All my training for off-road is like that because you've got, 
you're not doing a 5k you're doing like a, a 30 mile or a 40 mile so you can't just give it you can't just run all that way all that time so that was the best bit of advice uh, I got for the off-road running yeah um difficult one I think probably for me I think just um I always try and say save you racing for race day it's easy especially for males we get wrapped up in you want to be first every time and training sessions you know you can you can put in a hard training session and, and beast yourself a bit but you don't have to do it every single run you go for you know you can go out and just enjoy a run and if you're with a, another group of group of runners it doesn't have to be a race some people just turn into a race every single time they've always got to be first <laughs> I suppose it's just mentality with especially male runners I think but yeah I think that was a good piece of advice I got. Don't don't race every time you run. Just you know, save it for race day. Yeah. So on Wednesday night, Mike was looking at me when he said that because back when I was at Striders, <laughs> it was something that I always used to do. Um, so I w- I was guilty of that. Yeah, but um, in them days, you didn't beat us. Now you can. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. Um, <laughs> So we've got um, a listener's question, and this is from our previous guest, Hayley Simpson. Um, she'd just like to know about the effects of COVID on both of you. So she says, how did you both make changes through COVID? And are there any changes that were brought in due to COVID that you'd like to keep going forward? Um, I think the, the main changes that we, we brought in, we're trying to keep the, the club runs going, was just we were limited to numbers. So we... We just split them down, the groups down as, as much as we could to um, to include as many people who, who wanted to come. I think numbers did drop off quite substantially. People, even when restrictions were lifted a little bit, you know, and you could have a few more. Some people were just nervous of coming back. Um, and now we're back meeting indoors at Ashley Sports Village. Um, some people are still a little bit wary of, of coming indoors in crowds. So we, we give them the option of they can wait outside, you know, and we'll pick them up on the, on the way out. Um, but I think we, we both agreed when we discussed the other night, we, we just want to get back to normal now. Just, if we can help it, we don't really want to take anything forward from, from COVID. We, we want to try and just, you know, get back to how we were before. Yeah. I mean, my um, concern was, you know, we were such a, a good running club and that it was taken away quite quickly. So... You know, our runners that came to us week in, week out, that came for a little bit of socialising, they may never see, they may never seen people all week on a Monday and Wednesday night, you know. So it, it affected me that these people weren't didn't have anywhere to, to go. So I did do a couple of online things where I set a few challenges for the club runners. I had, just, I had a stone that I was hiding. I did steps. Uh, I did a step challenge. I did a bridge challenge. So I tried to keep them motivated throughout COVID because it was affecting me as well. You know, when you when you're so used, and I didn't realize till COVID that how much of a routine I need in my life, and the Monday and Wednesday running and the weekend running was part of that. Because I was taken away, I needed something to sort of like help me, and then to help my friend, fellow runners at Striders, and um, yeah. So I'd look, I'm so glad that it's you know, we are getting back to normal now and let's hope that doesn't reappear this horrid COVID. Yeah, yeah, that's really good answers because I think a lot of people, um, 
during COVID. And then now, like you said, you've got a few people waiting outside. Some people just aren't fully, um, they've not really got the confidence to go indoors and it's a, it's a real shame and it has affected a lot of us. Um, yeah. So fingers crossed you can get back to full strength with um, all them runners joining you there. Um, so yeah, that's all the questions from me. So I'm going to pass you over um, to Sean now. So thank you very much for answering them. Oh, thanks, Callum. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Callum. So yeah, Mike, I've got a question for you because um, something I'm seriously considering for next year is um, having a go at the Boston Marathon. I think um, I've got a place in Berlin, just weighing up the finances really and everything of it. And so you have a look at the travel restrictions. Hopefully they are back to normal. And I know it was something you were lined up to do yourself and then you ended up doing the virtual race, I remember. Is that is that something you'll go back to and have another look at in the future, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping to. Um, it was really disappointing that, you know, COVID just scuppered that. I got the, the qualifying time for it at the Chester Marathon, uh, I think it was 2018. And then we had everything booked to go in April 2020, I think it was. Um, hotels, flights, everything booked, and and then the Americans put the travel ban on, so it, it just got it got put back to the October. Never happened then again. Put back to April, didn't happen. Moved to this October, um, and the travel ban's still in place. So we can't I can't go. Um, as I said the other night, we've had some health issues, which probably would have scuppered the plans anyway this year. But yeah, we couldn't travel, so. That place has gone now. There was no deferrals, no no uh, transfers. Uh, they gave you the option to switch to the virtual race this year, which means you get half your money back. So I've done that just so I get my money back, <laughs> half my money back. And you know, I get a medal and a T-shirt for, for posting the time, which I might have to do on my bike, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that virtual medal, I saw you post it on social media. It's probably one of the best virtual um, metal packages I've seen actually yeah yeah it's pretty good the uh, I said to you the other day the the um they even send you a, a finish line tape that you can get your family to hold on your street for you know as you come oh, down nice. and, a, and a number to wear on the way around yeah it's really good uh, yeah I was, I've been reading a lot about it recently and I was looking on the website and I saw lots of images of people doing that actually I wondered where that came from because it's quite <laughs> famous isn't it that finishing tape and the floor yeah. colour Everything. Yeah. Oh well. Um. Yeah. Hopefully you manage to um get that qualifying time again then and get back over there at some point. Yeah, it's a good target to aim for. Yeah. And a quick question to both of you, really. What What's your favourite type of running? If you had to pick one, whether it be distance or terrain, or trail, mountains, or or is it the mixed events you prefer? Actually. So at least I'll ask you first. This one. Yeah. I mean, I, I did. I used to love. I mean. When I started running, there was there was no trail running, there was no off road running, there was no mountain running. It was always road running. So, you know, for, from two thousand three uh, up until about two thousand and sixteen, I had never been off road. I'd always been on the road. Um, and then I just with the things like Dudstone Diamonds and the uh, Greyhound one, they take you off road. So I thought, oh, I quite like doing this off road stuff. Um, so I think. Because I've done quite a lot. I mean, I, I didn't. I was counting. I've done ten marathons and all that road training for mar, you know, marathon after marathon. And I, when you go off onto the road, off road, and you go into the mountains, it is a little bit easy. I know 
it's probably hard to train, but it's a little bit easier because you don't have to like, you're not, no one, when you do a marathon, it's always about, oh, what time are you going for? But when you go off-road and you do an off-road run or a, you know, a, an ultra, they go, oh, wow, you've done an ultra run. They never even ask you how long it's taken you to do it. So I think I, I like, I like that at the minute. I mean, there's no pressure to actually get times. Although I, I am, you know, I've got a few marathons that are, road marathons that I want to go back and do. So I'm going to have to sort of like tweak a little of my, bit of my training at some point. But um, at the minute, I think it's off-road and the trail stuff and the mountain stuff. I'm more, I'm more boring, just traditional. I like, I like the road road and uh, trail as a, a canal path, really, I would say. I don't really, I'm not really into the fells. I like the scenery when you're up there, but I just don't like the hard work getting up there. And I, I find that you can't, I, I just can't seem to get a good rhythm going up hills. You, you know, like I said the other night, if you're a, if you're a mountain goat type runner who can just fly up the hills, that's great. But you, I just find it's stopping and starting. You know, you can fly down the hills. There's not, there's a little bit of flat. Then you're climbing up, so you're walking. So yeah, I, I prefer road and canal towpath where you can just get in a rhythm and just keep going. Yeah, Feel like yourself. Yeah, I think that's me. I remember last year just talking about lockdown challenges. Um, Ricky Lightfoot, who's a a famous runner, really, in the Lake District. He set um, a, a segment up on Strava, and the top three runners would go and get a place in the, um, I think it was a Golden Trail Series, mountain running. So I obviously didn't think I was going to achieve that, but I thought, oh, I'll have a go at that route. I'm a, you know, 245 marathon runner, go and smash that out in the morning and then get back and have some lunch. <laughs> what? I underestimated that massively. A 17-mile route. I was only there for four hours. And I, I, honestly, I couldn't walk for two days. I had to go yeah. into Keswick and buy a foam roller just so I could finish oh, the old. Wow. <laughs> it's definitely a different, yeah. different discipline. Isn't yeah, it? It, I, seem, I seem to sort of like suit that sort of running um, because I don't get I don't get aches and pains from running. I don't know why, but I never get sore knees or sore hips or anything. I never get what they call the doms in, in my legs. And, it doesn't affect me, so I can do. I can go out and do a twenty-mile off-road run up mountains and come back and not feel like I've actually done a run. I mean, I'm tired. Don't get me wrong, and I get fatigued, and you know, I do feel really tired. But my body doesn't feel like I've done that distance over that terrain, and I, I don't know why. Maybe that's why I like the off-road stuff. It's the red wine. Yeah. <laughs> it's the red wine. <laughs> um. And yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about striders earlier. Um, what what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to um, take up running, or perhaps someone who's thinking about joining the Stride Out program? Um, I'd say yeah, it's either the Stride Out program or there's plenty of other counts to five k programs you can probably find online now. But that's probably the best route into running because it, it takes you in nice and gradually and you can get good advice from people running it as well um but take it slow and steady don't expect too much too soon i think a lot of people underestimate if they've not done any running before just how you know how far a mile is they think oh one mile yeah i should be able to run one mile but we've seen when they come to the couch to 5k they'll do two or three hundred yards and that's it they've got to stop and have a breather a mile's a long way when you've not not done it um so yeah steady steps um, 
you avoid injury and you, you actually enjoy it. You feel yourself progressing. And I think if you enjoy it, you want to keep doing it. If it's hard work, you don't want to do it. And that's when they, when they drop out. So, yeah, small steps, little uh, incremental progression. Yeah. I mean, at the minute, we, um, we're not offering um, the 5K beginners course. What we're doing at the minute, we're trying to um, accommodate our own runners that have not been running for quite a while through COVID to get them back into running. So there's a lot of group going on at the minute where they're not doing the walk a minute, run a minute. They're doing like a, a you know, run a mile and then run the next and run two miles. So because we think we need to look after the members we've got at the minute because a lot of them are, are struggling before we start opening the gates to bring more runners in that, you know, so we're trying to look after our running family at the minute. So hopefully, but in the new year, you know, we're hoping to get a new strider out program going but at the minute we're just looking after the ones that, that are with us at the minute that need a bit of help i'd just like to say as well my mother-in-law and my wife um joined the stride out course when i was there and they both really got into it and then further on from there um my mother-in-law then did the couch to 5k that Haley did through active and she's really got into running so she oh. started a running journey through the stride out course as well um, that's brilliant. That's good. That's good. good to know she's kept it going. What, what about um, talking about runners there that are already running? If you're a runner looking to develop further, um, how can a coach help you do that? And do you think some people respond better to being coached than others? I think, yeah, I think some people respond, uh, definitely do respond better to being coached. Um, but, yeah, I think a coach can give you... Uh, training plans, um, good advice, experience. Um, they don't necessarily have to have been the fastest runners themselves, you know, but by doing the coaching courses that are available online now within England Athletics, you know, there's plenty of resources to, to study up on there to, to get good advice to pass on. Um, so, yeah, coach, a coach can definitely help, help people to uh, improve um, within clubs and, and probably, you know, there's, if you just uh, if, if you, you just happen to know a coach as well, um, mm. waffling a bit there. Huh? <laughs> uh, you're right. I think um, I've been running for maybe ten years when I joined Hyde, and I've been as I said before, I was running three fifteen, three twenty all the time, not getting any quicker. Uh, and then I run, sort of, I think, just under two forty five in my first marathon after joining Hyde. Just little signposts, not necessarily telling me exactly what to do every day of the week, but just mixing it up a little bit and trying different things. And yeah, I, I can definitely see the benefits of it. And we've seen seen that, haven't we, from some of our listeners um, where they've joined clubs recently and seen improvements. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Scott Matthews before. He, he was one of our he was one of our running babies at one point. He he came from rugby to us and. He, you know, he, he wasn't a natural runner at first, but you, you know, you look at him now. We we sort of helped him a little bit along the way, and then he's, he went to East Cheshire and I think now Salford, and he's progressed progressed a lot. Yeah, I think I think he calls us his running parents because he came to us, you know, uh, quite young, and and what an amazing runner he's turned out to be. You know, he's put a lot of hard work in and changed from being a rugby player to a a, a runner. You know, he had to do that himself as well. Um, uh, but yeah, but definitely 
every coach is different. Every coach will tell you slightly something different. You'll get something from every coach if you listen. Mm. And just don't take, you know, pick everything out that you actually need to help you as well. Because not every coach will give you the advice that you want to hear, but it's just try what they're telling you. If it doesn't work and then, you know, just you'll find you'll find your feet if you just look after you. I think what what I try to do as well is people ask me for training programs. I try to tailor it to their lifestyle, you know, ask them realistically, be honest, you know, how many runs a week do you think you can fit in? You know, like yourself, you do to you know, morning and evening. Not not everybody can can fit that in, or is not as dedicated as that. They may have a young family, work long hours. So you know, that, I, I always try and bear that in mind when I'm doing a program for somebody. What is realistic for you? What target you're looking for? Is it realistic from your previous times? And uh, how much time have you got to commit to it? And then we you know we'll do something from there. Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting what you say about Scott. He's in running the Manchester Marathon this weekend and he's got a proper runner physique now, hasn't he, Scott Matthews? So, yeah. yeah. Well, I can tell you a story the last time. I think it was when Dave won um, the Manchester Marathon in the horrendous weather. I think that was Scott's first marathon. And uh, I think yeah. he ended up in a pub in Stretford having a sausage sandwich at about mile 20. <laughs> Do you know that was my first marathon as well? That was in that yeah. weather. Yeah, yeah I, I did that marathon as well. That's why I got my I got my good phrase for London for that in that one. Probably um, what I remember about it. I mean, Dave will remember it for different reasons. I just remember how cold and horrible it was. Yeah. Did you get your bag afterwards? Did you, yeah. did you get your clothes back? Yeah, it took me a long time. If my car keys had not been in it, I'd have left it there. Well, I wore um, a bin bag as um like to keep me warm for 23 miles, and then I thought I need to take this bin bag off because no one knows which club I'm going to be I'm running for here. So at mile 23, I bit the bin the bin bag off and just ran the last three miles. But yeah, what uh, what can those conditions were horrendous. There was people with hypothermia at the end of that race. Hats off today for winning. Yeah, hats off today for winning. Yeah, Dave was just although, in a vest. Although he wasn't out very long, was he? <laughs> yeah, it's easier. It was, it was easier for me. Very. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, thanks for that. So, just a quick question, really, to both of you, but Liz, you in particular, but I see you do a lot of fell walking, early morning walks, and, and things like that. What would you say your favourite place to walk is? And do you think walking is a good stepping stone towards getting fit and perhaps running? Yeah, I think I think anybody can walk, you know. Um, it doesn't matter how far the distance is. Even if you just want to do a couple of miles, you can go along the canal and, and walk. So everyone can walk. You don't need to have... You don't need to be the fittest of people to begin with, Um I like to do walking because I like the scenery as well. When you're running, sometimes you miss what's on your doorstep. Um, oh, I, the other night I did say about the Lake District. Lake District is my, one of my favourite places to run, but on our doorstep we've got, you know, um, Dove Stone, we've got um, the Pennine Way, we've got the Oldham Way. So all these are on our doorsteps, and there are some nice, really nice, pleasant walks out there. Um, sometimes I just do it to, to um, 
just to clear my mind as well. I think walking is such a great thing to clear your mind as as running as as well. You know, as a runner, we, we do that as well. But um, and I do like taking groups out walking. I haven't done it for a while, but for anyone that wants to go walking, that if they look around, if they go on Facebook and look for walking groups. There are hundreds of walking groups that people can go and join. Um, and then, you know, from if they get a fit fitness and they do want to go and start running, then, you know, striders are waiting to, to accept them to come and run with us. Um, but, yeah, walking is so good as well. You don't have to run everywhere. You can you can yeah. start walking. Yeah, but in, it was about 2006 I started walking the Wainwrights. Um, in a bid to get fit because I was quite overweight when I was younger and um, progressed from that then. I think I think what I started doing is running to get fit for the walking, you know what I mean? Because it's quite yeah. tough at times, isn't it? And, and I ended up just really enjoying the running. I still do walk though a lot and my brother walks as well and he's just started running so he's sort of taking the same like, um, journey I have really. Yeah. Catching me up a bit on the time as well, which is getting concerning. <laughs> so, so when you did the Wainwrights, did you do the coast to coast, or did you just do go out and do Wainwrights? Both. So, me and Sarah have walked coast to coast three times now. <gasps> That's yeah. on my list. That's definitely on my list of things to do. Yeah, it's awesome. It's addictive. Obviously, I've probably done it three yeah. times because, and every time you, you you can do different routes. You don't have to pick the same route. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just such a great experience. And you'll meet people from all over the world, you know, America, Canada, New Zealand and such a such a stunning route from start to finish. Yeah, that's definitely on my plan. So um, yeah. I might come to you for some advice. Yeah, well, I've got loads of books on it, so I can bore you to death though, whatever you like at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but for next week then, when you when we're on so- again. Yeah, stop me talking about London for five minutes. <laughs> um, so we've got a question from um, a couple of questions from listeners. One from Paul Minton. Uh, so Paul says you're two of the nicest people, and a credit to the local running scene. So genuinely, two of the loveliest people he knows. And he said that free. You know, he's not no money involved <laughs> there. The free last comments. His question is. Uh, his question is who is the worst out of the two of you when you've had an injury or a bad race and they're sulking around the house well after speaking about um, the escape Malcatraz and Mike didn't get to do his swim on that first attempt I would say definitely him because for two weeks after that I had to make sure I had to work really hard because he was so down about that um, I just put so much effort into trying making him like happy and um, yeah, but yeah, I'd say it was him. I think you're more of a sulker than me. Yeah, well, injuries wise, I'd say we're both we're both as bad as each other, and we don't really give each other sympathy. Oh no, no so sympathy. Just I'll stop moaning and get on with it. <laughs> get some ice if you if you've got something wrong with you. you know. <laughs> I'm watching the telly. Oh, it's, a, it's a nightmare being injured. Anyone that's a running knows that. Um, and um, Frank has also asked a question. He has, says, who has the best finish? Me, best finish obviously. Me, me, obviously. <laughs> me, obviously. No, um, no, we've been arguing about this since you asked us the other night. <laughs> we, we, as we said, we were doing, during COVID, a, a handicap 5K with, with some 
some friends of ours uh, every Saturday morning in place of park runs. And um, yeah, when we were doing our run from, from where we live here, we're going up, up Globe Lane and I could see her in the distance coming up Globe Lane and I was catching her, catching her. But I knew if I didn't catch her by the time we got to the White Bridge and she started going downhill, that, that was it. I just couldn't get her on the other side. She's she's a stubborn, determined little so-and-so. Uh, but uh, on an even on an even sprint, I'd say me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, I've just, I just seem to, I don't know, I could be in a race and it can be, you know, dying on my feet and something just happens on that last 100 metres. I seem to be able to lift up and just go for it. I don't know why, whether it's just determination to get the race over and done with, I don't know. But I wasn't going to let him beat me on this um, challenge because there was um, alcohol involved and you could pick which what, what you wanted if you were the winner. And I picked champagne, so I wasn't going to lose that. She got a bottle of champagne. Well, every, everyone knows bib numbers have superpowers, don't they? So maybe it's that. Yeah. <laughs> um, just one question, one more question for me, if I could. Um, we talked a little bit about this the other night. I thought it was quite interesting. The the club Hyde Village Striders. I remember people asked me quite a bit when I was wearing the colours, particularly in America, um, where the village part is that it's Hyde a Village, and I thought to myself. More of a town, probably. Where does the name, the village, come from in the club name? It, it, came, it comes from the, the actual uh, leisure, Hyde Village Leisure and Hotel, because uh, as Liz explained, that's where it all started um, yeah. nearly 20 years ago uh, with Pete. And yeah, I think it, at one point it had the village uh, logo on our, our badge as part of the club, but we, we changed that a few years later to the little running figure that we have on it now. But yeah, we did all incorporate the village logo on at one time. But yeah, we just never never dropped it. That's the name the club was registered under and we just kept it and it, it kind of stuck. Yeah, well, there you go. That's the, the now I know. So yeah, I think, I think uh, I really tried as I suppose once it's there, it becomes the name of the club, doesn't it? And yeah. That's it. Yeah, I think a few years ago, um, there was a, we had a, a vote of, as to whether the village would be dropped or not. Um, we'd just be called Hyde Striders. But we just thought, well, that's that's where it, was, it came from. That's the original name. So the vote went in and, and it came out Hyde Village Striders, so we didn't lose the village. So that would be always there now, so going forward. Excellent. Well, thanks for that. Um, that's all the questions from um, me and from our listeners. Thank you. Okay, thanks. It's been great. I've really enjoyed it. So thanks for having us on again. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. It's been uh, really enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank, thanks again for joining us, guys. It's been fantastic. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank Cheers. you very much. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah, we'll try to. Thank you. And Cheers, you guys. too. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. That's it for this episode. Coming up in the next episode of Local Runners Podcast, we meet lifelong East Cheshire Harrier brothers, Gavin and Liam Brown. So get those questions in in the usual ways Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and email. And remember, when you feel like quitting, remember why you started.